0: get a deja vu feeling i've been getting that an awful lot lately because we've been talking about topics and and the markets for the last couple of months and then a few weeks afterward it seems like all the articles and a lot of these things coming out are kind of regurgitating or saying the same things we're saying and i'm talking about the markets here We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute and then you have immaculate disinflation could we see immaculate disinflation I don't even know what that is, but Cliff Asnes of AQR Capital, he's a quant hedge fund guy who crushed it last year, although he's had some other rocky years. He, he seems to think so, and he's kind of worried about that. It's a pretty heady article. It talks about fundamentals, technicals, and quants, and the difference, and if you're interested in reading that, you can, and kind of related to that is, um, is this a one-sided market? that's what we were talking about those are the deja vu things that i'm getting because remember we were talking about how big tech and the ai sector was really just a very narrow brand it was only eight or ten stocks that were fueling the market and all the rest were flat to negative and it it, it wasn't really as broad as it seemed but has that changed did we get an inflection Wednesday? Is, is is it changed? We're going to talk about that and in just a few minutes with the mailbag because that all dovetails together. And I'm going to try to put it together in a nice package with a bow on it. Probably fail miserably, but hey, what the hell? We're going to give it our best shot. Now, uh, a couple other things on the show notes that you can go look and read the biggest regrets retirees have and single stock ETFs and 10 reasons to take social security ease. Early. I'm just going to quickly go through those very fast Cliff's Notes version. 62% of retirees said they were planning differently. 75% said they start saving earlier. 63% said they'd save more, and 34% said they pay off their debts earlier. Just 27% said they are confident they are ready. Now, the 10 reasons to take Social Security early. And again, this is on the show notes. Health reasons, if, and especially if you think you've got bad genes and you're not going to live all that long. Uh, claiming survivor benefits. Maximizing marriage benefits, that gets complicated. Deferred taxes on retirement savings so you don't have to take it out of your IRAs. Preserving inheritance for beneficiaries. Cash flow needs. Spousal benefits. Investing for a greater return, meaning you can leave the money in your IRAs and stuff private health insurance uh, benefits, and letting the markets come back in a down market using your Social Security while you let your stocks come back. Hey, if you had a sell discipline, you wouldn't have to do that. Anyway, those are a couple things. And by the way, Social Security is very, very complicated. If you need help, reach out to us. And if I can't figure it out for you, we actually have a, a separate independent woman who's a CFP and all she does is Social Security, that's it. And if she can't figure it out, nobody can. All right, let's get right into it. Let's talk about this one-sided market. This is a very good article. I'm gonna go over the highlights very quickly. Um, And this was done a few days ago. Remember we were talking about how big tech was was weak and we needed to see broadening breadth with small cap, mid cap and a broadening market that eight or 10 stocks can't just carry the whole load. Well, we actually kind of got that and tech started pulling back hard just for two days while small and mid cap rallied, got a better breath. And then all of a sudden, big tech reignited again, and so now you're kind of seeing broad rally amongst everything. But let me just give you uh, the the overall Cliff Notes version. Okay, breadth not as strong as advanced decline line suggests. That's advancers versus decliners. Uh, AI chase is very narrow. That's the AI technology. Markets are strong when they're broad and weakest when they're narrow, obviously. And here's his main point: if you take the NDX. The NDA, the biggest NASDAQ companies, they're by far outpacing all the other companies. Now, if you take out, this was the interesting fact, if you take out the bottom 426 stocks in the S&P 500, the bottom 426 stocks would be flat, but it's those 10 big mega caps that actually is making the S&P uh, strengthened. And so... Um, now, here's one thing that, he, that I liked about this article. He was talking about the advanced decline line, the thing that it fails to point out. Two things it doesn't do. It doesn't give you the amount or percentage that stocks are rising and falling. It just says red or green. The magnitude would be important, okay? And the volatility and rotation between the sectors, OK, by the way that second one is why here at Revere we beefed up our sector research a couple of years ago because uh, that is very important okay um, in any event basically what this article is saying is and we we talked about this a few weeks ago it was just like the internet.com bubble in 1999 early 2000 the the web remember they had that internet fund WWw I think was a ticker but anyway all um, all a company had to do was say they had it, they they started a website and that company would pop 10, 15% a day and it and it got over froth. Did the internet, was that revolutionary, did it make companies much more efficient, much more profitable? Yes, it did. But did the hype and the expectations get far ahead of the reality of how much the efficiency would grow? That answer is also yes. So the markets had this big blow off top and technology rallied all the way up to March of, 20, of 2000 until it rolled over and sold off hard. But on the way up, there were 40, 50, 80, 90, 100% gains in a lot of these stocks. And then they reversed and did the same thing in reverse. So you want to be kind of part of that if that happens. But you want to have a sell discipline so you don't give it all back, like in the tech wreck or the economic crisis. Now, The same thing is setting up with AI, artificial intelligence, and that could be this driver. And it's talking about the efficiency in NVIDIA and Microsoft and all these these few companies that are doing really well. They are gonna become much more efficient, but will the hype get ahead of the the story, get ahead of the actual um, um, data? Well, you're only gonna really truly know that in hindsight, nobody really knows. And that's why you have to have rules in place But the good news is, just in the last days, we've had some very positive developments. And we're going to talk about that right after we do the mailbag. So very quickly, and by the way, folks, if you want to comment, if you want us to mention a stock, look at a stock that you're looking at, or you want a complimentary portfolio review, or just have a question or topic that you want discussed on the show, just go to Revere Asset and up in the top right next to the subscribe button where you can subscribe to this podcast and to our daily market insight videos. Don does every night. The market's open. Next to that is a contact button and you can hit contact and it'll send a message to me, or you can just email me at Dan at revereasset.com And we'll be happy to uh, put your question on the show. All right. This is from RS. Good morning, Don hope all is well. And congrats on your son going to medical school. He must be very smart and a hard worker probably gets that from you. I had to put that in there for Don. Thanks for your nightly videos. No, it's mom. <laughs> Thanks for your nightly videos. The depth of your analysis is amazing. I'm wondering if you could provide me with Market Smith's stochastic settings. I know Justin has mentioned them on IBD Live. I thought I had wrote them down, but I cannot find them now. Thanks for all your help and hope you have a great day, RS in Denver. IRS thanks for the kind words my son Ryan was born to be a doctor it's going to be amazing watching him achieve his great dream here's a cut and paste of what market smith sent on their stochastics commonly used price momentum stochastics is a commonly used price momentum momentum indicator um, and but you they disclaimer they want you to read the benefits and limitations and we'll let don explain this in more detail but it's a tool for using uh, to help you make investment decisions to enable you click tools, you select st- enable stochastics, and then it'll open up a small chart, uh, and and you can and you can read all this, and then it says the stochastic lines are commonly referred to as percent K, and that's a thin gray line, and percent D, the thick blue line. They represent um, uh, the location of the most recent close. Uh, with a price relative to the uh, price high and low over the 14-day period. So it's showing you kind of a channel, a range of that stock, and it's showing you where the stock is relative uh, to that range. Is it in the upper end of the range or is it the lower end of the range? When viewing the daily chart, line R, based on the calculation, using uh, prices over 14 trading days, and if you're doing weeks, obviously it's the weeks, um, both horizontal bars are placed at the 20 and 80 to correspond with oversold and overbought theories of this calculation the investopedia definition link is here it's in the web show notes market smith uses the standard settings now you can set your own but most people use the 14 day period percent k is three that's slow uh, simple and then percent d is three simple um all the best jacob bradley president uh, i'm sorry premium coach market smith and so with that and so that kind of uh, stochastics is more of an overbought oversold uh, for the markets is that or the stock is that you're trying to if you're trying to time an entry and usually stochastics, these overbought and oversold are usually when markets are trading in a range when they hit a strong uptrend or downtrend. Oscillating indicators don't work quite as well. but anyway, with that done, I know that was an awful lot. So you can kind of explain, you can kind of explain the stochastics at first, but then I want you to go into the markets and talk about what you're seeing in the markets, what has changed pros and cons, and it's all you.
1: What I have on my screen here is the NASDAQ 100, the QQQ. This is the strongest index of the big five right now and up above the stochastic, uh, you can see the two different colored red lines, one's a moving average, one is uh, the actual price itself, and it's where is price relative to the high and low of the prior 14 days. So you can see right now, uh, not a surprise with the strength in the NASDAQ 100, it's in overbought condition and it has been for five days. Uh, overbought being above this 80 level. But we use these stochastics on different time frames. For example, I've been talking in videos lately about how to sneak in with a lower size on something that's overbought. So while the NASDAQ 100 was overbought on a daily, if you go to a 60 minute, you can see uh, a day and a half ago toward the end of uh, Wednesday, it got to the bottom of overbought. So if you're trying to use that signal to get in, you with them and look for a crossover and to come off of overbought, or sorry, oversold and uh, start trending higher. So a good way to sneak into the NASDAQ 100 would have been this crossover Thursday morning. Uh, this there's no guarantee on any of this, but it kind of tells you that uh, at least a short term bottom was in. And if it fails, it tells you even more than you need to know about the market that oversold an oversold rally failing is a is a negative sign if you look back here several periods on the nasdaq 100 you can see uh while it's been strong there are several periods when it gets oversold on the 60 minute and it usually doesn't stay there for more than a day a day and a half or two and that was the case with this most recent uh buy signal where it crossed over so uh, we're we always refer to these on different time frames and the reason for that is the last thing you want to do is to take an entry on something you think you got a good entry but if you dig a little bit better you can see that it was oversold on a five minute or overbought on a five minute and we, we're just trying to put the odds in our favor uh, for uh, timing entries like earlier this morning I, I was conversing with Michael, we were looking at taking another uh, position in TNA, but right when we were considering doing the buy, we had a crossover on the stochastic and uh, we, we just put it off for a while and we'll be holding that till maybe later in the day, or maybe we won't take it at all if we don't get the favorable setup. But all we're doing is using these across different time frames to tell us where uh, price is relative to a 14 period look back across different time periods. Uh, and that's a stochastic summary, and how we use it at Revere. So
0: don, don, Market don, Smith don. Package. So, so, so re- very quickly. So, really, stochastics doesn't even doesn't tell you what to buy or what to look for. Once you identify the security or what you want, and you know you you're looking for an entry point, it's helping you with the probabilities for timing the entry.
1: Exactly. We're looking at. Uh, price on daily and weekly and the fundamentals to to get our watch list. That's how the 21 over 21 list is determined. We probably do 80% 80 of our buys from the 21 over 21 list. And once we identify those, then we look for shorter time periods, factoring in what the overall market's doing, what different sectors are doing uh, to get a finer point on our entry.
0: Okay. Okay, so now what are your thoughts on the overall market?
1: Sure, the overall market, uh, the NASDAQ 100. So everybody, all the bears have been complaining that there's been no breadth in the market. It's been held up by uh, seven big tech stocks and no argument here from us. Our approach to that is okay, we'll invest in those seven big stocks and the indexes that are being carried up uh, by those big stocks. But on Wednesday, Uh, there was a harsh sell-off in the NASDAQ 100. So um, a short-term change in character on that, I'm gonna go to a 30-minute chart and then I'm gonna compare it uh, with uh, another index. So you can see the trending higher on the NASDAQ 100 just got got to the point to where, and we were talking about this in the video, it was extremely extended over 10% from the 50-day moving average. That's just by historical standards A red flag that the the index is most likely going to have a hard time going higher and consider either locking in some profits by doing offensive selling or hedges, uh, putting hedges on if you want to decrease the volatility of the overall portfolio and take advantage of the pullback. So we finally got that pullback on Wednesday and it was pretty harsh. The NASDAQ 100 was down 1.7%. So then the question is, is this the beginning of a bigger pullback or is this it for now? And we got our answer the next day. And I'm gonna to go to the 30 minute chart on the NASDAQ 100. The next day uh, we opened basically flat but strength came into the market immediately. And then the first pullback, you wanna see what happens on that pullback. And we didn't even get close to this 350, 348 area where we bottom. so that makes that pullback day an inflection point and the low of that day is important you can take uh then you, you go and you compare your watch list to what is my watch list doing relative to this action on the nasdaq 100 and right now the best stocks are above their highs from earlier in the week when we had this inflection point okay and if you're going to go long on the nasdaq 100 or in on the s p 500 you use this inflection point as your stop so in other words pullbacks should be contained by the bottom of that inflection point so that's the nasdaq 100 let's look at the s p 500 which also pulled back that day nowhere near as uh, viciously as the s p 500 did it was down four tenths of a percent that day Uh, But you can, and and in fact, it just barely undercut the lows from earlier in the week. So again, you can use that as your inflection point, as your stop. Now let's compare that to the small cap index, IWM, because everybody has been complaining that there's no breadth in the market. Uh, On this same day, when the NASDAQ 100 was down 1.7%, money was flowing into, and it started the day before, but on Tuesday, but it followed through on Wednesday to mid caps and small caps. These are the two indexes that were victimized by the uh, regional banking uh, liquidity crisis. And uh, everybody was, if you, if small caps and mid caps aren't participating, you're not gonna get, you're always gonna have breadth problems because uh, breadth problems, high, uh, new highs, new lows, every stock is counted equally, whether it's a $20 small cap or a $300 mega cap. It's either up or it's down, it's a high, it's a low, or it's neither of them. But they broke out last Friday and then followed through Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday to the upside. So we finally started to get that participation that the bulls were looking for. Money on Wednesday flowed out of tech stocks into mid caps, into small caps, and also into some other of the more defensive sectors that had been underperforming. So the takeaway from all this is, the inflection points of that day, the lows of that can be used as a stop. You compare your holdings or everything in your watch list to what's going on with the indexes to see if you're outperforming or underperforming. Like right now, compared to the NASDAQ 100, you wanna see what stocks are above their Tuesday and their Wednesday's highs. Those are the real leaders and Uber is one that's in our portfolio. Uh, you can see it's right there with the the Tuesday and Wednesday highs. Tesla's another one in our portfolio uh, that has blown away the Tuesday and Wednesday's highs. So those are, the, those are the true leaders, ones that weren't impacted by the inflection point or ignored it, but either way, uh, the stop on the indexes when you have a, a big change in one direction, and this also works on a blow off top in the opposite direction if we were going up uh, high and then we reverse the high of that day. If you get through the high of that day, that's, a, that's an important uh, change versus the inflection point also. So we're always looking for events that happened that happen inside uh, of the indexes and individual sectors and individual stocks for, uh, for signs that uh, we either need to pull back or get more aggressive or give us different levels to trade against, that being either the top or the bottom of those uh, inflection points. And it's no different with when you see a gap up or a gap down uh, in a stock, the the highs and the lows of that inflection point and gap are important levels to trade against.
0: So Wednesday and Thursday, and even kind of today, this morning thus far, it's actually been very constructive. It's been, the market is demonstrating it wants to be more bullish.
1: It was, uh, it definitely did Thursday, uh, f- but it, again, it's bifurcation. Money came back into the tech leaders tech. on Thursday. Uh, big tech, they followed through to the upside this morning. They're pulling back a little bit off of there because we got to the high of those days before the inflection point. So uh, it looks like we're forming a, 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 ran- a, a range where the top of the index. Uh, is something that uh, we, we need to exceed, and we did get above 4,300 on the S&P that had been capping any rallies, but now we're pulling back right to the 4,300 level, so it's going to be important to see uh, if these levels hold uh, on the day and then going into next week.
0: Let me ask you one more other question since you're talking about the even numbers like the 4,300. Is that as, it you know, the Jesse Livermore rule with the round numbers, 100, 200 on a stock, is that, does the same theory hold true with the indices?
1: absolutely you just you see it they're psychological well i knew that i just wanted you to say it out loud for the listeners (laughs) The, the, the algos are are programmed to to either if you get extended to the upside and you come into a round number very often that acts as resistance you saw that today with tesla it pulled up into the 250 level on a gap up and it's pulled back since then it poked its head above it and pulled back so not only the round number levels but in individual stocks the 50 level uh, the 100 level, 150. In this case, Tesla, with it being a 250 level, those are psychological and uh, very real uh, points of uh, inflection, either for uh, resistance or support.
0: Well, yeah, actually, it's it's funny because they talk about behavioral finance, folks, because 99.50 and 100 and 102, really, those shouldn't. There's not really materially difference for that hundred. Level, But that round even level has a psychological mental difference and people actually, it affects their trading behavior, their investing behavior, and it, it actually has, comes to fruition in price. So it, it makes a difference. Just like the Fibonacci numbers, everybody's saying, well, those are just numbers. Why does that they occur in nature? But Why does that really matter? It doesn't really why it, why it matters. I mean, that, that it, why it works the point is it does work and it matters because people tend to, maybe it's just the way they feel or the algos are looking at those numbers, whatever. It it doesn't matter. Those numbers do help your probability. So you got to pay attention to them. All right, Don, what, what, what do you, what do the boys have?
1: Uh, Let's go to Michael first, Mike, uh, what do you got for us this week? Okay. Also, yeah,
3: with those uh, round numbers, uh, just thinking about it, I mean. If if you're placing a limit order, whether it's a stop loss or a stop buy, I mean, it's a lot it's a lot easier, and you're probably from the psychological perspective going to place it at a hundred even versus at a hundred and one dollars and twelve cents or something like that. So it just makes sense, it just for simplicity's sake, um, to to put your orders around the, those even number um, areas.
0: By the way, um, Mike, Mike Mike, before you go on, folks, he made a very good point. So if you've got a stock that's at, say, fifty-one dollars, and or fifty-two, and you want to have a stop at fifty, everybody puts them at round numbers. Don't do that. Don't because the algos know it, and and the market makers they see that. And they the the old adage on Wall Street is there's always the stops. They'll take it right down to fifty and then let it run, and you get stopped out, and then the market goes up. Uh, without the stock goes up without you. So if you really want your stop around at fifty. You want to put it at 49.92 or 49.93. Put it slightly under that round number, and you'd be surprised. So you never want to use round. No- I never use nickel increments. Uh, if I'm going to, I don't. We use algorithm. We don't use hard stops. We've got a more sophisticated way to do it. But if you're going to use hard stops, if you're able to use it between the nickel increments and do it just slightly under where you were going to set it. All right. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead.
3: No worries um yeah, so just wanted to talk about um some portfolio allocation um strategies and things um and and starting off uh the, this quote i I love it, I believe it was Peter Lynch who said it, and it's um more money is lost in anticipation of a recession than in the recession itself, <laughs> and you see that all the time you got people in recessions, they sell out of the market and and yeah there there's more money lost doing that than than when it actually hits um and where most investors go wrong is that they give up on a strategy at just the wrong time and it usually comes down to a lack of an investment philosophy Um, and all of the greatest investors of all time have all had if you if you study them they all have very different philosophies but what allowed them to outperform markets over the long run is that they stuck to their philosophy and a philosophy it has to do with your approach to, to markets And where you think markets make mistakes and at Revere, our philosophy is that the market doesn't really know how to value these growth stocks. And our technical strategy allows us to time our entries and exits and take advantage of either the momentum that they have or the mispricing that they may have. And in order to outperform markets, the first step is to know yourself. And the philosophy that fits who you are because there's not only one philosophy that's going to work there's there's many different but what it comes down to is how it fits with with yourself and your own psychology and there are many ways to do this um and for the for the non-professional investor um unlike us who who doesn't do this for a living and isn't able to to sit um and and look at charts all day um They and they don't have the resources um, to do what we do at Revere, I would say the most important thing for them is to get uh, portfolio allocation down correctly. Um, And if you're allocated to the right sectors at the right times, you can outperform the index um, and you can do that through ETFs or um, different funds, but. overall index so the s p 500 it's actually got 505 stocks um, but it sounds better to call it the s p 500 versus s p 505 um that's a that's a a diversified portfolio and it's composed of 11 sectors at different weightings so if you change the weightings of the sectors in your own portfolio and um and remove the ones you believe are likely to uh, underperform um, go larger weightings on the ones that you think will outperform and you get it right, you will outperform the market and um this now leads me to um to the miners and I've spoken about the miners before, and I've gone through the catalysts and um the the supply demand imbalance um especially copper and now with the Tesla news, the charging stations, more ev adoption that that um that fundamental um Story only gets stronger, uh, but I thought it'd be useful to go over um, just just to put things in perspective as well. Go go over some of the economic cycle drivers of this this industry group, and um, metals and mining as a as a sub are a very high beta industry. And what this means is that the fluctuations will be larger than the overall index, and they have a high sensitivity and um, high sensitivity to to economic cycles and they have high operating leverage, which means that they're very cyclical. Um, They outperform when you have strong real GDP growth and rising raw materials. Um, They do best in a late stage expansion if you've got inflationary pressure present and you don't get a meaningful slowdown in the economy, um, which is kind of the scenario we've got right now. Um, And some metrics to watch out for are you want to look at construction spending and uh, manufacturing. So something you really want to focus on is PMIs. Um, and recently, uh, in in China, you had a strong PMI reading um, that was stronger than expected, and you can see that 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 move uh, that that um, we recently had in COPX, PICK, XME off that low that was all uh, PMI related. So if you get these these uh continuing strong pmis um that that's a that's a great um indicator to look for for the performance of uh, the these mining names um so so yeah just just wanted to share those thoughts and um and go into a little detail in the um sort of more more into the fundamentals
1: all right, Mike, appreciate that. Right now, pick an ETF for the base metals is consolidating above the 21 EMA, right below the 50 and the 200. Uh, we're keeping an eye on uh, that to make a move above 41, uh, which would be a breakout above the indexes and from this little consolidation that's going on over here. This this uh, uh, pick got help on the second last Friday by uh, some, uh, talk about stimulus in China. And if China's gonna kick in stimulus, they're gonna be spending, doing a lot of building. And uh, the the market and the stocks related to that, steel stocks, uh, copper stocks, got a big gap up that day and they've held the gap. So uh, we will look looking for that process to either follow through to the upside or break down, in which case we won't be interested in it.
3: <laughs>
1: Thanks, Mike. Connor, let's uh, segue over to what uh, you're gonna show us today.
2: Yeah, so um, today I kind of just wanted to touch on what you and uh, Dan have mentioned is just the potential for some rotation into IWM small caps and and something that we've seen a little hint of this week. So on Tuesday, it was the biggest outperformance of IWM versus uh, QQQ since 2020. And they actually moved inversely, um, which, which did show rotation, but as the week progressed, um, tech got bought up and IWM's been digesting this move, which is a positive, uh, positive anyways. Um, but yeah, so if you pull up the weekly chart, Don. I think this weekly chart um, is is telling and, and is showing some certain things. If you draw a line from that pre-COVID high, Price has held this pre-COVID high and has been forming this super strong bottoming base. Um, and you can see on the Market Smith chart, it, it's forming that cup as well. But when you look at the volume over the last two to three months, um, a few undercut and reclaims of, of those lows and they got bought up right away. Um, and that's characteristics of a bottoming base. And what's different than previous times was all the moving averages have come together and price is now above. When you look at the previous times that the Russell attempted to rally, um, it just rallied right up into the 200-day into the and got rejected, did it again. Um, and that was really the moving averages weren't able to really try to form and round up like they are now and price has gotten above. And when you look at the volume, um, that may signal that, you know, people are seeing value in in small caps here, not a bad investor type buy. Um, But it's so that I found that telling. Um, And another thing to think about is that there's a couple of different ways on how this could develop. Um, On Tuesday we saw IWM it bit up hard while the queues sold but one of the big uh bear cases all year is that oh you need more participation so you could see the queues take a rest and iwm show some more leadership or you could see iwm join the queues the s p in this rally and all that would signal to me that it's just further market breath and more momentum so those are you know two type scenarios that um could potentially happen and I think what's interesting in the last two years in the market is that each index has led for a certain amount of time um, for the last two years when the market bottomed in October uh the Dow was the leader that saw the strongest uh bounce off the October lows before um pulling back and then you saw the S P. the S P was the index that you wanted to be in and it, it still really is the index and now this year, it's all all, all been about TAC and the Qs and it's been the leader. So it's interesting to see maybe that IWM now becomes um, one of the leading indexes. We don't know. All we can do is follow price and react, but that could be a trend forming as each respective index has kind of taken a lead um, over the past two years and it, it would be positive for the overall markets because that seems to be the uh, what bears are holding on to as, as the remaining bear case is the narrow breadth. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic moving forward. Uh, from a technical perspective, I think IWM looks very constructive. The volume and that bottoming base, coupled with getting above all the key moving averages is notable. Um, watch to see if it can hold above the 200 day that is really the the pivot for bullish bearish, um, and when you look at the chart now, could be forming a little handle here and much needed digestion after a very strong couple of days push. So, this is a potential theme that I'm watching, and usually rotation takes takes not just a couple of days; it could take a week or two to develop. So, this is something that I'm keeping an eye on and wanting to see how this develops.
1: All right, good stuff, Connor. Uh, that, that, what really stands out, what you commented about the Dow and what bigger role relative strength plays. If you just look at this 34,000 level and the way the Dow is consolidating, you think, oh, you know, that's not a bad looking chart. We're just kind, kind of waiting for it to break above 34,000. But then if you look on a relative basis, Here's the relative strength line and how it outperformed that last three months of last year. And then just ridiculous underperformance on a relative basis. Now, finally, the relative strength line trying to put in a bottom as the price goes higher. But if you break above this 34,000 level, uh, look where we were on the relative strength line back back where we were on the 34,000 level. It's just the the if I draw a line there from the highs of the relative strength line, look how stark that underperformance is. And this is why uh, we pay so much attention to what's going on with relative strength. So price, volume and relative strength., uh, we always say price and volume, but the relative strength is extremely important too. I'd put it right up there with those other two. Thanks, Connor, and uh, Dan, we'll send it back to you to wrap it up for the week.
0: All right, folks, so listen, uh, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just sell them to And up in the right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button, and you can just put in your email and their name, and we won't spam you or hassle you. It's up to you to reach out to us. Tell us you want a free. Portfolio review. Or you want to come on board as a client, and next to it is a contact button that I told you about. Uh, uh, that you can, you know, send us questions. And you can also email any of us: Dan at RevereAsset.com, Don at RevereAsset.com, Michael, Ted, or Connor at RevereAsset.com. And you can also call us old school at 855 Real Wealth, folks. The market is acting very well. All it's starting to really firm up, and breadth is is expanding. Landing. But will that last or will it be like late 1999, early 2000 where AI, it's a narrow market and it we get a b- big, big rally and then a big, big sell off or we'll get broadening breath, which is what we got the last couple days and is what we need. Stay tuned right here because we'll be talking about that and we'll be following that for you on your money. We'll talk to you next week. Be safe.
1: Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep.